What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. Some of you may have heard of Fulton County Jail from this really horrible show that I actually recently discovered called 60 Days In, where folks go inside of the jail, build relationships with incarcerated folks, and then betray them on national television. The season of that show showed incredible violence and poor treatment of incarcerated people in the facility, but did not, however, reveal what the report our next guest is here to discuss with us did, and that is the extreme malnourishment and disregard for the health and lives of folks inside of the Fulton County Jail facility in Atlanta. We're joined this morning by Elizabeth Wild Greenberg, senior reporter for The Appeal, a worker-led nonprofit news organization. She writes in prison and jail conditions and wrongful convictions. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning, Kat. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks so much for um, for, for joining us again. Um, happy to have you back. I want to start with how you start the piece, Elizabeth. If you could walk us through the first story in your article about the man who was found unconscious in his cell. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's really where... Um, all of this begins. Um, so early on the morning of September 13th, an officer um, goes into a man's uh, cell. He's housed in this unit at the Fulton County Jail um, because he has um, some mental health issues, um, as does everyone else in this unit. Um, I should say officers had actually become increasingly concerned about this man's health and in previous days had asked um, the medical staff uh, to look after him. Um, they had raised concerns about what appeared to be his worsening health and, and living conditions. Um, so she goes to his cell to finally bring him to the medical observation unit. Um, and she sees that he is um, unconscious, um, uh, slumped over on the floor of his cell, um, covered in lice and feces. Um, she radios for help. Uh, medical staff arrive. Uh, they to CPR, but um, he was deceased, and he was only uh, 35 years old. Elizabeth, at least some of the information that you got for your reporting came from a report that was obtained from inside the jail. Is that correct? Yeah, this is really, this is an interesting um, piece of it. So there were sort of two sets of documents that I looked at. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, And one set were the jail incident reports which um, describe, you know, again, not only how this man, um, this man was found in the condition of his cell, but also the fact that the officers had been increasingly alarmed um, about his condition. Um, and like I said, had, had asked medical staff to intervene. Um, the, the officer who actually found his body wrote in her report after um, he died that she had voiced concerns about his condition um, to medical staff and a sergeant most recently five days before he was uh, he was found unconscious. So again, this had been an ongoing concern. So that was one set of documents I looked at, um, but they're very much connected to a report um, that was obtained through a public records request by the Atlanta-based civil rights firm, the Southern Center for Human Rights. Um, this report is not dated, it's not on letterhead, it's not signed by anyone. Um, And the Atlanta County Sheriff's um, public custodian told me that it was created by the NASCARE's um, Health Services Administrator. NASCARE's 
probably a name that is familiar to um, you know, any incarcerated listeners or their loved ones. Um, it is a private company that provides um, health care to people who are detained um, in prisons and jails uh, throughout the country. Well, since, since you went there, t- talk to us about what we know about NAFCARA outside of Fulton County Jail. What's their reputation? Yeah, so NAFCARA has been accused um, repeatedly of providing um, insufficient and uh, medical care, neglecting uh, people's medical needs. In fact, um, in the Fulton County Jail, there was a really um, terrible tragedy in, uh, I believe it was 2019, of uh, an 18-year-old named Tyreek Tooks. Um, of course, right, he will bracket for a moment the fact that an, an 18-year-old child was locked up in this, in this horrific um, county jail that's known for human rights abuses. Um, but this young person was there for about seven weeks when he reported um, to medical staff that he was experiencing excruciating chest pains. He rated them a 10 out of 10 on the pain scale. The physician's assistant thought that it was simply heartburn and just recommended various, you know, over-the-counter remedies like Tums and ice packs, ibuprofen. About a week later, um, after these, uh, you know, these things were recommended to him, he died um, of a, a cardiac tamponade, um, which is a condition where pressure is placed on the heart from a buildup of fluid. And last year, his parents sued NAFCARE and several of the company's employees alleging that their medical neglect had caused their young son's death. And I mean, Elizabeth, you you report on prison conditions all over the city, but this is not an uncommon story when we're talking about for-profit, and I'm using air quotes here, healthcare um, that's provided in jails and prisons across the nation, right? I mean, we hear story after story like this. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. This is a very common story, I think, for, you know, for, again, anyone who is incarcerated or their loved ones, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, none of this, um, you know, would be shocking or, or surprising to them. Um, and what the what NASCARES report um, that the Southern Center for Human Rights obtained, what their report said, and it was only, I think it was maybe a two, three-page report, um, and, and what it what it shows is that the the man who died um, in the Fulton County Jail on um, whose body was found on September 13th, although he you know could have died the the day before, um, you know what it shows is that the conditions he was living in um, were not isolated to his cell, um, that there was rampant neglect, um, and that there was a, an outbreak of lice and scabies throughout the unit. Um, the report says that every person in the unit had lice, scabies, or both, that the outbreak was discovered, quote, on or around September 13th, which is the day that this man's body was discovered. Um, and that was only part of, of these really nightmarish conditions that um, people with mental illness were living in. It also found that over 90% of the people detained there um, suffered such extreme malnourishment that they had developed a wasting syndrome that typically affects um, people with advanced 
stage cancer. And um, I guess unsurprisingly, right, that more than 90% um, had not been receiving um, what, what they call essential medications and had not been completing what they refer to as activities of daily living, which means things like showering, using the toilet, eating, which again, if we look at the conditions where this, um, in, in terms of the condition that this man was found in, the condition of his cell, you know, this is all very much reflected in the report and shows that this was um, really a widespread human rights crisis on this unit. Okay, Elizabeth Wild Greenberg. So the report comes out. How does the sheriff respond? That's a really good question, Kat. Um, <laughs> you know, in, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 you know, I try to contact the sheriff repeatedly through email um, and through voicemail. I did not hear back. Um, I have not seen any public statements from the sheriff about this report. Um, I, I definitely could have missed them. I know that he was not responsive to, to me. And again, I didn't see any other public statements that he made about this. The report says that the life and Skadi's outbreak was um, eradicated, that everyone was treated, that there was a 98% compliance rate. Um, but there is nothing in the report about any type of individual follow-up with the many people who were wasting away, um, you know, barely surviving. It says that, you know, the nutritional um, intake should be increased when applicable, um, you know, using very sort of jargony language like that. Um, it says that they should conduct um, door-to-door um, pill pass, basically go door-to-door and to, per, to offer people their medications. But, you know, there was nothing in their recommendations that, to me, um, reflected the urgency um, of, and, and the crisis um, that, that they were describing. And, you know, I, again, it, it says that the outbreak was eradicated, but we... Um, you know, we have no corroboration, um, you know, for, for, that, uh, for that statement. I should say I also contacted NASCARE many times, and they also did not um, respond to any of my emails or voicemails. Surprise, surprise. Um, when when <laughs> I think about malnourishment, I mean, when I think about not malnourishment uh, in, inside of jails and prisons, Elizabeth, I'm not just thinking about how often folks incarcerated may or may not be fed, but also the quality of the food. Can you again pull from your, you know, wide breadth of reporting on conditions inside of jails and prisons and talk about the quality of food that makes it into these kinds of facilities to begin with? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's, that's a great connection, I think, to make because, you know, especially when we, you know, uh, you know, report on or, you know, advocate for, for more humane um, prison and jail conditions, right? Sometimes it's, it's the most extreme examples that, you know, can, can kind of catch our attention and, and hit our hearts. But of course, like there's a continuum of cruelty that people in prisons and jails are subjected to. So while, yes, this situation in Fulton County Jail was, um, you know, t obviously horrific and appalling, um, food is often 
used as one incarcerated woman in Virginia told me, um, you know, that food is often used as a weapon against incarcerated people. Um, I reported on a women's prison in Virginia where the women there told me that um, they were served food that was rancid, that was moldy, that was spoiled. There were roaches on their food trays. Many of them were forced to really rely on the commissary where, of course, you know, as incarcerated people and their loved ones know, um, you know, they are, um, uh, they are subjected to terrible price gouging um, of this sort of captive, um, captive audience of, uh, of potential customers, right? So they have to rely on the commissary, which does not have you know, very many healthy food options. It's sort of a, you know, glorified vending machine. Um, it's also extremely expensive. And you're talking about people who are maybe making, you know, pennies on the hour for, for their labor. Um, so food is, is also, is often, again, you know, to quote this woman I spoke to in the Virginia prison, very much weaponized um, against incarcerated people. I've heard from many people um, who are incarcerated that they're often hungry. Um, and that seems to be a, a very um, sort of widespread pain um, that is experienced by incarcerated people, that they're not given enough food, and the food that they are given is, is nearly in, inedible. All right, Elizabeth, we've got to leave it there for today, but we will have you back soon. Thank you so much for your work and for coming on the show again. Thank you so much, Kat. I admire your work so much. Thanks for having me on. Oh, same. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>